Tell your joke again, Billy. <laughs> hey, John. <laughs> what? What's ET short for? Uh, I don't know. Because he got little legs. Ha! <laughs> 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 All right, Knee fake slapper. laughter, fake laughter, fake laughter. <laughs> yeah. Bad acting. We had some non-recording going on the first yeah. few minutes of this podcast. repeat what I said when we weren't recording. I want to thank the wedding venues who all took part in our most recent edition of the Ramp Monthly. Um, the ones who took part in it were Daniel's Ridge, Sugar Neck, the Farm on Cotton, and Oakland Farms, and, or Oakland Farm, sorry. But there are more venues here, and uh, um, you know we'll, we'll hopefully do more of these, not, not necessarily wedding editions, but um, you know, uh, we may do wedding publications or something like that, just because it's it's really, you know, as, as I learned in writing this story, it's a growing industry here, and um, it's one of those industries that you want to have in your city or in your county because of all of the people who benefit off of it, whether it's, uh, and it's not just anyone directly involved in weddings, but you're talking about hotels, you're talking about golf courses and bars and restaurants and, uh, um, photographers and videographers, caterers, all these people uh, who, you know, stay, in, not stay in business, but who get really good business from weddings coming into town. And as I said in the, in the story, these facilities are each hosting anywhere between 20 and 40 weddings a year. That's a lot of money. Weddings are expensive. Yeah, it seems like a better industry to have than... Uh beef tallow production or something <laughs> the chicken plant <laughs> which hey yeah. we have a chicken plant and <laughs> yeah that's great um, the, the the beef tallow specifically was because you know there is a smell <laughs> the, yes. the rendering plant anytime right. you hear rendering it doesn't sound good rendering. what does it mean to render that's when you cook a piece of hard fats until it turns to liquid. That's why I said there's a smell when you make beef tallow. That's rendering. Is, it, is that rendering? Okay. Yes. Wow. The things you learn from podcasts. I know quite a bit about meat now. <laughs> Let's talk about meat. <laughs> now it's the meat cast. Hey, you, you didn't get to do any of that this past year, did you, Gordon? I know every year you take part in these cook-offs and these, uh, these, um, you know, these, uh, I guess they're called cook-offs, but you do a lot of, um, smoking of, uh, um, Various I, know plants. Brisket, but I know you do whole pigs and things like that, but you haven't been able to do any of that this past year, have you? Um, no, they, uh, in 2020, the Kinston barbecue festival on the noose was canceled due to COVID um it was held this year we didn't participate for some reason um, well guess what they were just they didn't invite you back. Yeah. 
Nah, but here's the know. next year. I did, well, we just wanted to give the competition a little bit of a break from us, I think. Yeah. Let someone else win. That's right. Well, next year, everything should be back to normal. That's right. So speaking fact, of which. Tomorrow, everything should be – this evening, <laughs> everything should be back to normal. <laughs> yeah, I guess God, by the time Billy, people – was, was, an, pod, was huh? an amazing segue. I don't know. Segue. Really teed it up. I try. Yeah. <laughs> by the time people start hearing this podcast, uh, Governor Cooper will have announced that North Carolina is uh, doing away with the mask mandate um, – I assume that's what it is. I guess, uh, you know, people who are still um, unvaccinated, people who are high risk, I guess, will still be um, encouraged to wear their masks is what I, from what I understand, this could be different. I'm just throwing out there what, from what I've read. Um, but I guess for the most part, you know, states like Texas have already done this, but masks will no longer be a state mandate. And I guess businesses will still be able to require them but uh, it will no longer be a, a state mandate. And uh, um, while I'm happy about this, I'm fully vaccinated as I, uh, I believe the both of you are as well. Um, there's oh, some, there's some apprehension, you know, to go from, you know, this is, this is a big jump from, Hey, you know, maybe you can take off the masks inside uh, sparsely populated buildings or things like that. But now they're just saying, yeah, do away with it. We're ready. I think we're ready. Um, I went to various stores this morning, um, and a lot of people are not wearing masks already. They were already taking advantage of it. Uh, I walked into the Walmart, and um, are they pouring gasoline into their masks <laughs> and carrying them out. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't have a mask on, and the guy's sitting there. You know, this like this little station, hygiene station they have now. And he has mask. And it seemed like he should be telling me I needed a mask. But it feels like he caught himself like, oh, we don't have to do that anymore. Because <laughs> yeah. I just kept walking in. And I really didn't do it on purpose. Because yeah, yeah, you did. You were like, Say well, I mean, I didn't go there like, oh, I'm going to strut my stuff. No mask, you know. <laughs> I just didn't have a mask in the car, and I was just like, walking, well. flipping them off. <laughs> <laughs> Trump 2024. <laughs> no, uh, but I didn't have a mask in the car, and so I was like, you well, 24, I guess I can... 24. <laughs> I don't know. What... He's probably still going to be here then. I don't... In 420 years <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> um. Don't put it past him. He can do it. But, um, yeah, so it was kind of strange being in the store with people without masks and and me without a mask. And I guess we got kind of used to it, but I guess that's the way it is now. Well, it's like when all this started. And I think we talked about it on the podcast that, you know, we didn't like when all this started, it felt weird to be around people breathing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and touching things and now i feel like there's going to be a little bit of that again but you know just like with masks we got so used to masks that it became second nature uh, even quicker it's going to become second nature to, that for things to go back to normal i think i think the one thing that will change is when we do see people with masks it won't be quite the double take that it was in the past and i think um you know, if you saw somebody with a mask three years ago in a, in a grocery store, what did you immediately think? 
there's something wrong with them. You know, there was uh, that they have problems, not necessarily that they were trying to protect themselves from your problems, but you thought they had problems. And I now, I now think going forward, if you see somebody with a mask, you may not think twice about it. You're just going to think that, Hey, they, they're just trying to be safe, whatever. Yeah. That's their choice. I think you'll see um, case numbers go back up again too. Um, the difference being is there's a, there's a solution available for anybody who wants it. Yeah. Right. But you know, it doesn't necessarily, it's not a hundred percent effective. If any of us who are fully vaccinated gets it, hopefully it will not be as severe as it could have been. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm sure that you'll see some people. Unless it mutates. Still wearing masks. Well, yeah. Yeah, there's, uh, there's news stories right now, high profile cases of people who are, who have been fully vaccinated coming down with it. Bill Maher um, was announced yesterday. And I think, you know, you got members of the Yankees staff and a couple players who, who were also vaccinated and have it. Um, so yeah, you're right. People are still going to come down with it, especially those who it, you have to be constantly tested. Like I think going forward, if we're vaccinated and we come down with it, um, we may never know it just right. because it would be asymptomatic, but these people probably have to be tested on, I know with the Yankees in that case, um, they have to be tested on a regular basis. And so of course, you know, if they have it, they're going to find out that way. Whereas, you know, we would only go get tested if, if we felt any of the symptoms. Yeah. Don't the Yankees suck this year anyway? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's how they got it actually. It was just from being terrible. It wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> coming in contact with anybody you know what i think i think this is all some kind of hoax to cover up why the yankees are so bad yeah they they've been hobbled they ain't got covid they just got stinks but that's i think that's one thing that will come back though is is uh colds and flus will start coming back now because um we were all not when we were all protecting ourselves from covid19 we were also protecting ourselves from all the other crap that our kids brought home from schools and, you know, now <laughs> we're going to start getting that stuff again. And Oh, well, I guess it's a trade-off. Fun. So are we just going to go right today. back to normal? Huh? Are we just going to go right back to normal, you know? Like uh, the world? Yeah, I think <laughs> so. I mean, there's going to be some places that still require it, but uh, yeah, I think. I think it's things are going to get back to normal until until we hit that threshold of so many new cases and then mandates will have to come back and then uh and then people will really start complaining then and it'll until, all kind of spiral out of control i said it here first until covid 23 hits yeah what um percentage of the population united states population is now vaccinated do you guys know I think was, I saw something about that. Thirty-three. Uh, president said, two hundred and fifty shots, two hundred fifty million shots have been administered. That doesn't mean full vaccination, though. But right. I think it's probably around half, or it a little needs, less than it half. Needs to be what about two thirds? Yeah. Who's the guest today, Gordon? We have two guests. We have Dr. Lisa Chapman, who is president of Central Carolina Community College, and. Chairman of the Board of Trustees for CCCC, uh, Julian Philpott.
so I've got um, Dr. Lisa Chapman, who is president of Central Carolina Community College, and Julian Philpot, who is the chairman of the CCCC Board of Trustees, with me this afternoon. And um, uh, Julian had reached out to us here at the rant um, with a letter talking about, you know, as we emerge from the pandemic, the, the role that um, not just CCCC, but community college all over, colleges all over the state are going to play as we kind of um, come out of things. And, you know, especially with the announcements today about, um, you know, the lifting of most of the restrictions, I think that you know, the timing is, is, is good to talk about that. So I just wanted to, you know, welcome both you guys and thank you for coming on. And um, you both have fairly long history with the college. Is that right? That's correct. Yes, I've been a trustee since 2006 and I guess chairman of the board since 2011. Right, right. So before we got started here, we were talking about some of the, some of the things that, um, that are going on at CCCC, sort of from a, you know, a 5,000 foot perspective um, that, you know, a lot of times in the past, people have thought about community colleges as maybe like a step between going to a university or something like that. But that's really not the case in this day and age. And we've got so much new industry coming in. Um, what role are you guys and your organization playing um, in assisting those, those industries with, um, you, you know, employee recruitment and, um, you know, helping people in the community navigate their way into these positions. So I'll start and then um, let Chairman Philpot jump in. Gordon, you know, um, our responsibility, and you, you just alluded to that, our responsibility is to be the college for the community. And in being the college for the community, we connect the talent with um, the employers. And so we spend a lot of time engaging with our employers, employers that are our legacy employers, employers that are expanding their operations, and then employers that are coming here to ensure we know what their talent needs are. And then we also um, engage with potential students. And, and I would say, um, as we think about the great opportunities coming here, and I'll turn it over to, to Chairman Philpott and let him talk a little bit about what he was mentioning before, but just as a kind of an overview thought, um, we have, we are very, very fortunate to be in a community that has, that has the wonderful jobs coming. Plenty of them and very good paying jobs with great career potential. And what we want to do is ensure that our local residents are prepared to take advantage of those jobs. And we either do that aligning with our, our um, K-12 partners and ensuring there's a pathway for folks coming through high school. We have um, returning adults that may want to um, improve their skills and look at um, additional uh, job opportunities. We have customized training where we go to a company, just spent some time with the company earlier this week, explaining to them that they tell us what they need and then we design the project to meet mm -hmm. that need. Uh, so, so our job is to ensure that we're connecting talent um, with the opportunities and to keep supporting bringing those opportunities here. And I'll let Chairman Philpott talk a little bit more about maybe the details of some of that. 
Thank you, Dr. Chapman, and, and thank you, Gordon, for having us on today. Uh, as I was mentioning earlier, you know, we've got an outstanding educational institution in Central Carolina Community College. It's been one of the best in the state since its creation. We've been in existence almost 60 years now. Um, and as it started out on the technical side, uh, and we've seen a lot of community colleges moving more towards the university transfer type programs. Mm -hmm. One of the things our board uh, you know, decided early on was to make sure we were maintaining not only you know, the uh, college transfer program uh, preparation, but we wanted to make sure that we were maintaining an emphasis on the technical side as well, because those jobs are important. And as Dr. Chapman said, we've got a golden opportunity with all these companies coming in, looking at what we can provide at Central Carolina Community College. Uh, it's going to bring people in for jobs. We'll have more people moving into the area in Lee, Harnett, and Chatham counties, which is our service area for Central Carolina Community College. But um, we, with the construction we have, we need folks who uh, know construction, who uh, have the technical expertise for elect, you know, the electrical side, heating and air conditioning, plumbing. Uh, we need more inspectors in our, throughout our service area. And Central Carolina Community College can provide that expertise. Um, you know, one of the things I mentioned earlier before we started the podcast is, you know, our commissioners in all three counties have really you know, had a lot of foresight in you know, helping to make sure that our students in this, throughout the service area have the opportunity uh, to come to Central Carolina Community College you know, without incurring debt through our Promise program. Students you know, in our public high school, in fact, you know, we've looked at the public high schools, private schools, and homeschool. There's an opportunity for students who uh, take the requisite number of uh, dual enrollment courses while they're in the high school uh, setting. If they do that and you know they make the requisite grades, then you know they have the opportunity to come to Central Carolina Community College for up to two years uh, without incurring any debt. And that, you know, I think that's huge as we look at uh, trying to make sure that we have the people here with the technical expertise or whether going into a college transfer program, they can get the best possible education here at Central Carolina Community College that they could ever, ever desire. Um, you know, we've got uh, a wonderful advising program. You know, we've been told it's one of the best in the entire country. And, you know, we really, you know, put an emphasis on that advising program because we're geared to ensure student success. We follow our students once they leave us. And, you know, student success is important to us. You know, the word of mouth is going to be important. As they succeed moving on, they're going to, you know, continue to tell folks what a great uh, job Central Carolina Community College did in training them. But, you know, our commissioners are to be congratulated on their four foresight in uh, establishing the funding for the Promise program, and I think that's going to pay huge dividends. I think it is, as Dr. Chapman mentioned, these industries and businesses coming into Lee County, you know, that was an important factor, you know, to their looking and seeing that, yes, we can ensure that they're going to, you know, be able to attract and maintain that quality workforce that they need. Right. Gordon, I would add, before you get a chance to ask another question, <laughs> I, 
I, I would add that, you, you know, Chairman Philpott mentioned the construction and, um, and the uh, technical expertise and support we can provide there. Advanced manufacturing, certainly several different areas in there. We can help with people being ready to go directly into the workforce right. through our programs. And then, um, and, and we can do the same with our life sciences, the biotech, which has exploded in this area. Mm-hmm. We also have great partnerships with um, our universities so people can continue their education, which is very um, attractive to the businesses coming in so that they can, they can continue to grow their employees. And, and you know, we grow our own talent here. And I think that uh, I, would, I would also make an important point um, as we look at um, the economic success in North Carolina, and we think about our demographics in our the communities we serve. Something that's incredibly important is ensuring that we provide opportunities for economic mobility. Right. Can't maintain that success without the mobility, and that is just not going to happen if it doesn't come through us. Right. Um, and we're and we're ready to serve. So when you mentioned, um, you know, relationships with the universities so that people could continue. I mean, are you talking about a situation where somebody may get um, a certification or, e- or even an associate's degree that, that allows them to get a job with one of these life sciences companies who then may also say, look, we want you to come work with us, but we want you to continue your education at a university as well. Is that what you're describing? Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, when you think about that, so we've got the promise program that this community has said to our high school students, we're investing in you. We believe in you. So you can get your two years. We'll we'll pick biotech. Mm -hmm. Um, You can get your two years here tuition uh, free and then be prepared for uh, with the two years probably more than an entry-level position, but certainly an entry-level position in one of our life science companies. And then um, as as you work with that company and they see the value of you as an employee, they're likely to to put some resources in to help you um, complete that education. So uh, Chairman Philpott mentioned debt-free. It could be debt-free all the way through. And that actually pays off for the company because they get a good employee that's going to stay with them, right? And I, we hear that over and over and over again. And that's got to be a, a, a factor in Lee counties and all the counties that CCCC serves, but the ability to attract these employers because, um, you know, prior to the life science explosion here, there may not have been a whole lot of opportunities at any given college for, you know, a specific uh, course of learning that addresses that. But, but you guys are able to, to develop those things and get them in place in time for these companies to be here. How does that process work of developing these new um, curricula and, and, and getting them into place? And, and what role does that play when you guys are helping, you know, the, the chamber and other people to, to sell us as, as a location to locate? Well, so, you know, one of the things that the community colleges have always prided themselves in is being nimble um, and, and able to respond to employer needs. And I think we've seen um, today how much more important that is. Our university partners see it, see it as well. And they're working to ensure partnership with us to make that happen. But an example in the, in the biotech area, 
um, we happened to be the company that we were having a conversation with was one of the biotech companies um, in the service area earlier this week. And what, what we can do for them is we can quickly stand up some short-term training that you know, we've, you may hear about biowork. There's a, there is a standard um, uh, short-term training program for entry-level um, tech, technicians or um, operators in some of our biotech industry. That can um, help an individual get some skills very quickly to be able to move into that field and can help companies build up their um, employment, certainly at the entry level, pretty quickly. Um, what we then can do is take that short-term training, and in fact, we do this, um, and, and we can do two things with it. One, we can customize that to exactly what that industry, that particular business, you know, not just the industry, but that particular business would like to have. Mm -hmm. And we also build that short-term training um, we design it so that it feeds right into our certificate or degree diploma programs, which then feed directly into the university um, programs. The other huge piece of this, um, and we were very pleased, we've been working with, with Pfizer and they started an apprenticeship program. I think that work-based learning is also critical and, and um, people hear a lot about apprentice apprenticeships they hear internships and externships we got we have lots of versions but there's nothing that can beat that work based learning experience to help people see really um, the importance of of the educational experience they're getting you know, we saw that with our Caterpillar Apprentice Program. I mean, that was one of the first ones I think we had that you know, has been very successful. And I think we'll see, we're hoping that we'll see more industry you know, as it comes in. They'll take advantage of, of that with you know, apprenticeship programs because I do think that's a real benefit. I think one of the other aspects for us at Central Carolina Community College and our service area is we've got a wonderful airport here in Lee County. And, you know, that's, you know, they're looking at expanding that and, you know, with the uh, proposed rail service, you know, improved rail service that we're going to have, you know, we're in an ideal location close to the Research Triangle Park and, you know, major universities you know, with the plant science initiative. I think that's a major reason that, you know, a lot of these biotech companies, or, you know, biopharmaceuticals, they're looking in our area to have that close proximity. But we're to the point now that we can, with the Research Triangle Park and over at the uh, at NC State, the new plant sciences initiative, when they really get that new facility up and running, we can have companies coming in here. They can fly in here, or if they were going to, you know, try and meet over at the Research Triangle Park, they really could fly in here and pretty much get there quicker than flying into RDU and fighting traffic to get over to the Centennial Campus or even getting to the RTP. It's it's that quick now. But I think, you know, we just have a, a golden opportunity to continue to build on what we've built so far and continue to build on that with, you know, even more, you know, businesses and industries coming in here as, as we're looking at new programs all the time. Because we want to make sure that we're on the cutting edge at Central Carolina Community College. Um, I know that, you know, in any day and age, this one particularly, though, it can be hard to get your message out. And I know that 
you know, we're glad to help you guys do that by through doing stuff like this and, and running articles. But what things are you guys doing to kind of directly interface with the community? I know you have people in the high schools, but anymore, it's I mean, you've got parents thinking about it when kids are really young. Um, so what what types of things are you doing to reach people and what can people do to find out more? Well, and, and you know, Gordon, um, we do have career coaches in the high school and we do need to start earlier, and it has been a challenge with all of that during the pandemic year. Right. Um, and so we're, we're going to, I think a, a couple of things that are really important for us is that, uh, are, one, the things that we do earlier, the things we do say, for example, with middle school students, we have, you know, we have summer camps, we have eighth grade tours, um, we have weekend camps during during out the or throughout the year um, and we have we sort of put a halt on those um, during the pandemic and we'll be reviving those but I think what what we know we need to do is really make sure that we're aligning those experiences um, with what we are then um, providing in terms of the um, the the dual enrollment the, the promise program that um, Chairman Philpot talked about and, and connecting with um, the pathways that our, our high school partners offer. I mean, we're in this together, right? We're not in this to compete with each other. We're in it together to provide the best opportunities for our residents. So connecting the earlier experiences, I think is critical. The other piece that we are working on now, and, and I think you will start seeing more out in the community is we are um, connecting with our community members in terms of community events, whether it's a large sporting event, um, whether it's um, the, you know, the farmer's market, uh, different days right. that we have in the community. And um, our recruiting team is already reaching out to say, look, we, we just want to be out there um, sharing the opportunity. And the opportunity is not come to CCCC. The opportunity is, these are great careers. We can assist you right. with those great careers and make sure you know about them. Right. It's, so it's just a matter of being visible and then showing up. That's I right. Think, I think, you know, for trustees, that's one of the major you know, roles that we can have out in the community is taking advantage of every opportunity we can to spread the word about Central Carolina Community College. Uh, I know a number of the trustees who serve on the board with me don't miss an opportunity if they see somebody who's in high school or, you know, they may be a waitress or a waiter at one of the restaurants, you know, you know, we will always ask, you know, are you in school? Are you at Central Carolina Community College? And, and you know, try and do what we can to help promote the college. That's, you know, one of, I think one of the big roles of the trustees is to be that advocate, that cheerleader for the college out in the community. Um, I know when my wife was teaching middle school at Wesley Middle School and she, you know, taught AVID, the, the AVID program, one of the things I told her is that if she would take advantage of the opportunity to ask some of our instructors to come out and, and present uh, to the students at Wesley Middle School, uh, it would give them the opportunity to see what we have available at Central Carolina Community College and give the college an opportunity to help recruit the students there. And I know when Laura Lempany was working at the college, she, I think, worked on one of the relays for the Segway 
uh, back when it was being invented. And so she took a segue over to Wesley Middle School and oh, let wow. the students take it up and down the hallway. But yeah, you know, it's taking advantage of those opportunities. And we, you know, we want to try and do as much as we can to do that. Uh, and then talking about the instructors, I know you mentioned the letter I had sent uh, to you folks at the rant earlier. Uh, you know, we want to make sure that in providing the first class educational opportunity, that we make sure that we've got the, you know, the, the administration and the faculty and the instructors in place to provide that first class educational experience. Uh, you know, we've been concerned for the last several years that right now I think we're like 41st in the country, even though our community college system in North Carolina is one of the top rated systems, you know, nationally. Um, you know, we've lost some key people to not to other schools in North Carolina as much as having them move to, you know, other systems uh, like down in South Carolina. We lost two deans a couple of years ago on lateral transfers for more money uh, and the opportunity where they felt they would get, you know, uh, faster increases in salary than staying in, in the North Carolina system and staying at Central Carolina. Uh, we're, you know, the legislation I mentioned in my uh, letter to the editor and, and to you folks is that we want to make sure that, you know, in maintaining our, you know, key folks and being able to recruit outstanding you know, instructors when we have resignations or retirements, we've got to have a salary level that's sufficient to attract quality people. And, you know, it's, it's, it's vital to keeping our, our college at Central Carolina and, you know, system-wide, you know, it's important that we, you know, have a salary that's commensurate with the type of experience they're providing. Right. You know, we're doing a lot of stuff in, with this pandemic. We know that even though, uh, and the universities do the same thing, a lot of times we have to uh, remediate some students and get them where we need them to be for college courses. We know with this pandemic, it's you know, it's going to occur more and more. We're going to be prepared to handle that. But, you know, we need to make sure that we've got the uh, sufficient salary there to make sure that we can maintain and attract the quality instructors to provide that quality educational experience. Our folks have not received a cost of living increase, I think, since about 2007 or 2009. Wow. And you know, while the legislature is taking a look at it, last year they had a separate bill because of the way the budget was constructed last year. They they passed in one house, they passed the you know legislation, but it didn't get passed by both houses to provide the cost of living increase. And our folks have gotten like one time bonus money but they hadn't had a true cost of living increase in a number of years. And we have seen businesses and industries who provided you know, a more attractive salary. So we've lost people to businesses and industries um, you know, where they could make better money. And you know, we just need to make sure that we, we are competitive there. And so that's why I wrote the letter to try and build some public support uh, you know, for our folks who work extremely hard to provide that first class educational opportunity and experience and in you know, making sure that we keep those people there. Cause we know we did it, you know, when we had the last recession now coming out of this pandemic, our community colleges are going to be the key to putting people back to work in good paying jobs. 
you mentioned coming out of the pandemic and you know like i said earlier all these or most of the restrictions are, are being lifted today um what did the next couple of weeks next few months next year or so look like for the the college as as we come out of this well so we're certainly going to take advantage of what we learned, you know, with, with the challenges of this. Um, and, and what I mean by that, um, first of all, we learned how important in-person classes are. Um, and so, um, we have, um, we have continued to, um, build into our schedules more and more, obviously more of those in-person classes, waiting to make sure that we know what the uh, state will allow us to do in terms of the number of students in the classes. But we also learned that um, many of our students um, also can take advantage of some of the support communication virtually that before we might have, you know, we provided the, the in-person experience for them and we might have also expected them to come in person to get some of those um, supports or to ensure they've um, turned in paperwork or, or any of those sorts of things that we can actually uh, spend a little more time communicating with them uh, virtually through virtual office hours. So what I would say that we see moving forward is we we are a blended college and I don't know how we got to figure out how to communicate that Gordon, you help us with that. Sure. But basically we are designing and delivering the way that our students need us to deliver. And that's um, taking into consideration that um, some folks have broadband access issues and we haven't corrected that yet, right? You can give them all the technology in the world. If it can't connect to the internet, it doesn't do them a bit of good. Right. Um, and then some folks have um, time issues where they need to ensure that we build the flexibility in. Some people completely online is great for them. Some people need that flexibility, they need to come have some in-person experience, but they also need the flexibility to take care of their other priorities. You know, we, we, um, when we talk about our students, the one thing that I always want people to understand is education is a priority to our students. Uh, you heard Julian say earlier, he was talking about the fact that um, this is not a second um, second rate education. It's a first class opportunity mm -hmm. uh, for, for our students. We have first class students. They're phenomenal students. And what they do that is very different than what Lisa Chapman did when she was uh, more of a traditional university student is they balance a number of major priorities. And so our job is to ensure that we have a delivery that supports that and that we provide the educational wraparound support services to help them do that. And so the other thing that we've done, Gordon, is add, we've continue, continued to add a number of, of support opportunities, coaches, as well as um, resources to help our students. Okay, excellent. I always give people an opportunity, you know, if there's something I haven't asked or if there's something that you wanted to, 
you know, just to make sure it was included and to um, to give you an opportunity to tell people where, you know, where they can go online to find out more. Well, so definitely you can always just go to uh, cccc.edu mm-hmm. and, and you can find um, our information. There's a directory. Uh, look at the president's office. Connect with her, and I guarantee you she'll get back in touch with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The web, website's good, and I think if people would go and navigate through that, they'll get a lot of really good information. You know, one thing I, I want to say uh, on behalf of our board <laughs> is that we are extremely proud of Dr. Chapman and all the folks at Central Carolina Community College. You know, this wasn't, you know, the time to be going through all the thing, all the awards that the college has received. But I will tell you, it's how many years, Dr. Chapman, have we had finalists for instructor of the year and, uh, you know, staff person of the year? It, it is phenomenal with, you know, the number of folks who have been finalists or who have actually won the award. We probably would have more winners, but they couldn't, they couldn't award it to Central Carolina Community College every year. <laughs> but you know, our folks out at Central Carolina Community College are, are just fantastic, and they are totally committed to making sure that the student experience is is top notch. And you know, as a board member, I couldn't be more proud of the work that all of our folks are doing, and will continue to do as we get through this pandemic. This is everybody you know talks about how tough a year this has been, but I know. We have been extremely nimble uh, and flexible at Central Carolina Community College, and it's paid dividends and will continue to pay dividends for us in case we have something like this moving forward. You know, we've got a template that will help us, you know, be even more creative, you know, as we move forward, you know, in our next century. And I think as this, as we look at the Morelli, excuse me, the Magnetti Morelli property that our commissioners, you know, are working um, to secure for Central Carolina Community College. That is going to be that's going to pay huge dividends for the the college and our community, our service area for the next 50 to 60 years. So, you know, I want to express on behalf of the board and the folks at the college our appreciation to the Lee County commissioners for, you know, their willingness to work with us and trying to secure that Morelli property for the college. Um, yeah, um, so I- on, uh, on Thursday, or no, it was Tuesday. I'm sorry, it was Tuesday. I was at work and somebody at work, I had just gotten to work at like 9 a.m. or something. Somebody at work said, have you filled up on gas yet? And I said, I know, I think I have about a half tank. Why? And they said, because there's a line at Lillington um, that was like 12 cars deep and people are freaking out about a gas shortage. And I said, oh. Okay, I guess I better get gas, which again is not the thing I should have said. You know, I should have said, well, I won't panic, but I also <laughs> didn't know where I was on my tank and I needed to get home from Harnett County. Well, so I, I think, with, yeah. I went to the Blue Creek station and there was no line there. They only had premium left. I filled it up. And by the time I had put the, the nozzle in the tank and by the time I was finished, there was eight cars behind me. Yeah, I think your concerns are warranted because you. Hold on, I'm yawning. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm cut that out. Warning, John. 
That is I think you're, I think your concern is warranted though because you do commute. Uh, but I saw a lot of people that obviously don't commute and they were filling up trash bags and uh, yeah, that was that was bad. Yeah, not a, not a good look for North Carolina. We were like the worst state, weren't we? Yeah, yeah like by far the worst state. I, I talked to um, I talked to my family, and I guess Texas was at zero percent gas stations that were empty. And uh, yeah, but like um, in Texas, can't you just stick your hand out the window and get gas? Yeah, yeah. you can just like uh, siphon it straight from the ground right. and yeah. into your tank. <laughs> um, <laughs> But no, it's yeah. They were wondering why why is that happening here, and I didn't have a good answer for it. It was because our it was because our governor said, "Hey, look, <laughs> there could yeah, be a I shortage." Think that was a bad so move. yes, it was definitely a bad move. Well, a lot well, of people I, think- I saw saying, "Well, the media, you know, makes these people." Well, at some point, don't you have to? Even if it's true that the media did this, which the media is an awfully wide umbrella, but even if you take that statement at face value, shouldn't we blame stupid people for, for their own stupidity sometimes? Yeah. And not absolutely. just on this issue, but on any issue where the media yes. is blamed. Yeah. I'm, I'm anti-stupid people. But um, North Carolina, if you look at the map, is also more affected by the pipeline than any other state because it's kind of our one source of gas. Uh, most other states have, well, I think we have another pipeline, but I mean, if you just look at the map of where it goes, other states have a lot. I don't know. It just seemed like we were most affected, um, but maybe we're the most stupid too. So I went around this morning, like I said, and oh, wait a minute, was that in? <laughs> I went around this morning and um, finally found some gas in Tramway at the uh, the one of two circle K's in tramway across the road from each other. And there was like no line or anything. And I just pulled up to the tank and got my gas. And I guess maybe the lines are dead now. I don't know. And you lit a match and exploded the rest of it. (laughs) And I filled up my tailgate and I just (laughs) drove two miles down the road and started selling it for double. There you go. You put I saw it in the back pe- of your truck and it's just sloshing around. Back <laughs> I saw people on uh, Twitter put posting like Craigslist posts of people charging like ten dollars a gallon for gas they had ordered. I mean, it just goes to show that this this country will will panic at the drop of a hat, and that if if shit ever really did hit the fan, zombie apocalypse or something like that we wouldn't last. We, we would kill each other instantly. We would, uh, you know, every man for himself pretty much. Yeah. I, I guess uh, I've accepted that. I had about a half a tank of gas on Tuesday morning when I woke up and I needed to go to Raleigh that day. And a half a tank of gas is about exactly enough to get me there and back. So I needed to find gas and I went to several places and I finally found it out in Lemon Springs, and I had to wait in line, um, but there was no, um, there was no fighting or uh, chaos. Um, didn't didn't you hear a story about some chaos, John? Oh yeah, apparently. Well, there was a there was that fight in Nightdale. Did you see that on Twitter? I did. Like this man 
was sitting there and I guess he cut the lady off. So the lady got all got out of her car and came and spit into his car, like into his face. So then he gets out and he spits on her and then they just started fighting. And it was, it was pretty bad. And I saw that there were several arrests made at that one. And, um, I think there's, there were some others uh, around. Uh, we, I don't think we ever got any kind of confirmation of fights in this area, but I heard rumors of them and I don't know if we can discuss them, but <laughs> people got heated there for a while. Yeah. It, it, it escalated. Yeah. Escalated quickly. It really got out of hand. Yeah. You think gas is like the one thing we can't live without? It would make things difficult. Yeah. It really would. Like, uh, I guess a water electricity. Yeah, water and electricity. I think, I think we could survive without electricity. It has to be a top five thing, though. I mean, we would survive, but some people need it to get the other, whatever, three or four things that are more important. So, I, yeah, it would be... Yeah, Maybe. it's well, we've a, gone without power for days at a time after hurricanes and stuff like that. So that's that's doable. It's very inconvenient and uncomfortable, but it's doable. Water, yeah, I, we water I, I, without water, we would die yeah. pretty immediately. It, it I got three and like bought bread and milk when I heard about the gas shortage. I got <laughs> <laughs> yeah, filled your new garage up with bread and milk. Yeah. Tell us about your house. I uh, moved in my house two weeks ago. The long nightmare is over. These past it's- few months, I've talked about this housing market, and believe it or not, it's gotten even worse. Like we we were talking, my wife and I were talking about the other day. Um, we ended up getting this house. We paid just a small fraction above the asking price. It wasn't ridiculous. It was you know two percent, whatever. You've got houses now that are going twenty five to fifty percent over asking price. People who are who are making initial offers that are $100,000 over the asking price. Our timing couldn't have been worse. You know, we sold our house and we we uh, made some money off of it because of the market. But had we even waited a couple more months to sell our house, we probably would have made even more money off of it. And then we bought a house at a time when the market was bad and we had to pay a little bit more. And so we just thought our timing couldn't have been worse when in fact, if we were looking now, it would be much worse because the competition for new homes has gotten even more ridiculous. Um, and I guess you could say we have a housing shortage. So <laughs> you could say that. Yeah, that's exactly what you could exactly say. The exact reason for. <laughs> so um, the only thing I want to say about the new house, other than we we're very happy here so far, our garage is a mess. Everything's great. Um, is that I now live within walking distance of one Gordon Anderson and we had a rant meeting at our, at my house uh, this week. And um, sorry, we didn't invite you, John, you're, you're within driving distance. And since you have to get, no, cast, I was invited. I just didn't. Like to. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, passed on that. No. Yeah. Gordon and I were laughing like bastards about um, the fact that we live in a neighborhood where, you know, um, everybody around us is very established and we're just kind of the, the newbies and, um, uh, you know, maybe here one comes day, the neighborhood. <laughs> maybe one day we'll be accepted, but you, you, know, you guys, yeah, housing <laughs> values are plummeting. <laughs> That's right. There goes the neighborhood. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I've looked at the Zillow and um, 
you know, if someone someone offered me what Zillow says my house is worth, I would probably take it right now. You know? Yeah, a lot of people would. <laughs> in a vacuum, yeah, but you yeah. have to buy a house, though. <laughs> I know, that's the bad part. Yeah. I, I talked to Ashley about it. I was like, hey, let's just buy, like, a mobile home and put it somewhere and then just wait it out, you know? If someone offered me the Zillow value of my home, I would take it, but I would not sell my home to them. <laughs> so what I'm saying is if somebody offered me that money, yeah, sure. But I'm going <laughs> to live here. <laughs> not interested in selling my house, though. Hey, maybe you could uh, work it out where you could rent from them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sell it to them and rent from them. That's probably uh, did you see that uh, used car prices are also skyrocketing? Yeah. Because of this whole uh, silicon chip. Yeah. Shortage? So <laughs> I ain't going to lie to y'all. I bought a truck the other, uh, like in November. And Why did you lie to us about that to begin well, with? I, never, I don't yeah. think I ever told you that. I, you I own a truck now. You didn't. Look, guys, I have something that I've been sitting on for a while. I have to be completely hey, honest. You said I bought, you bought. bought a truck in November. Let me tell you about this truck, though, y'all. Y'all haven't seen it. It's huge, and I love it so much. <laughs> look, I'm not going to lie. Gigantic. I've always wanted a big truck. I've, I've always wanted a huge truck, so I went and bought one. <laughs> And now that we're going back to work, that is not a good idea. Now, now gas has gone back up to five dollars a gallon, and I was like, I was like, oh, we'll stay home forever. <laughs> no man can stop me. I'm buying a truck. All so of our I looked at, I looked at all of our auto trader. All of this is just absolutely terrible. <laughs> so I looked at Auto Trader, and my the trucks are going. The used version of my truck now is going for more than I paid for it. So I was like, hmm, maybe I should just sell, you know, <laughs> but gonna, I love it too much. I'm going to be homeless and without a vehicle yet. You're going to be like <laughs> flush with flush cash. With, yeah, flush with cash. <laughs> I'll be setting it on fire to live. I was like, <laughs> make a campfire of my cash. <laughs> Which probably is not going to be worth anything anyway because of like Bitcoin or whatever. We'll switch to that. And- mm-hmm. I don't know anything about that. So. Microchip money. I feel like, you know, I, everyone's saying get into that. I feel like if I were to get into that tomorrow, it would mark <laughs> the downfall of it. Yeah, it would plumb. They'd be like, oh, Billy's in it. I saw a tweet. My timing has been lately. It would just be terrible. I saw a tweet that was like a picture of somebody doing a limbo line that said, I can go lower. And it was like uh, any stock right after I buy it. 